0: A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about
1: everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview.
0: Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. Hey guys, welcome to episode four of the Blackberry of podcast. It's Dami once again and I'm sitting here with Mary and Israel. How you guys doing?
1: Hey guys. Good, good. <laughs> I'm okay.
0: How are you doing? I'm all right, man. Um, my week has been cool. It's very sunny outside, so I'm I'm yes. looking forward to enjoying some good weather in Britain, which we don't get to see. All that regularly, um, At all. Something, like, <laughs> something like twenty today. Sun is shining. I've got my shades out. People always accuse me of bringing my shades out too early, but I accuse you. It's, it's of April. Out. <laughs> it's April, but when the sun is shining, you have to make the most of it. But have He's you got...
1: currently wearing it indoors. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm, <sure laughs> I'm, not, I'm definitely not, I'm not <laughs> doing that. We're actually sitting upstairs in our church library, surrounded by a lot of good books. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, how you guys? How's you guys? Week been?
1: It's been good. Um, what, what happened this week? I finished reading. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship. Okay. It's one of those books that's been on my shelf for the past three years. Right. Um, and it, it, it was, yeah, I loved it. I think I undermined just how good it was. It's sort of an ethics of discipleship centered around the Sermon on the Mount and Bonhoeffer, especially in the context of World War II, Nazi Germany. Right. Um, he's very hard hitting on what it means to be a disciple okay. and just how radical it is and just how much it requires of you. But he also bases a lot of it all of it on that radical grace that's also given to you. Um, And so to read a guy like that and to see how he was so um, sold out for Christ and so ready to live a true life of a disciple Mm. in the context of what I consider to be like the the hardship that you can experience where the state is trying to shut down the church, where his life is at risk every day. Um, And then to think about my own sort of like privileged, culture where there's nothing that's gonna be required of me if i say i believe in christ yeah um there isn't outwardly speaking a great cost right now to being a christian mm. and i think you know i really felt cool to like reconsider just i was just about, about to
0: ask how comes it took you three years to read that book bro <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. um, it,
1: <laughs> it's just been on my shelf I've, 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 i have i have i have too many books. It happens. It happens. Um, it is, well, and, and so it took a while, but I got around to it. There are other books <laughs> to get around to as well. For real.
0: Mary, how's your week
1: been? I wasn't reading any book.
2: Really. <laughs> <laughs> I was, actually I read a book actually. Um uh, but yeah, my week's been okay. My week's been okay. Just work and stress and ah, second quarter. <laughs> you know when you start the second quarter at work and it's just so much reporting and
1: see for us non business people, second quarter is like what basketball games. <laughs> <like>. <laughs> So I'm wondering, when did you join the NBA? <laughs> for real, Second for quarter real. of the year. Second
0: quarter of the, of the financial year. Yeah, I hate financial you. year. I hate business week <laughs> right there. Um, but actually, in, in terms of what's been going on in the UK this week, I mean, I should just say, my week has been pretty pretty hectic. Um, week has been pretty hectic. I played football yesterday, had a football match yesterday, and we lost. So I was I'm very, very sure. disappointed in our performance. Um, was it
2: your fault? <laughs> we're not going to deal with blame right now.
0: <laughs> blame but I game. would just say... It is a team game. There is no I in team. Of
1: course, of course. (laughs) Until you score the goal. Until you score the goal, (laughs) of course.
0: And you see me doing a a backflip celebration. Um, But interestingly, with with what um, Israel was saying about, you know, the cost of being a Christian in society after reading uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, um, something that's happened recently in the UK, um, I don't know if you guys have been following, has been the kind of furor slash debacle from the fallout about Cadbury and the National Trust removing Mm -hmm. the word Easter. Yeah. Um, from their national egg hunts. So Theresa May, uh, British Prime Minister, uh, UK Prime Minister rather, um, labelled it absolutely ridiculous and her ca- comments came after the Archbishop of York, um, John Santamu, said that uh, the Cadbury egg hunt removing the, the Easter yeah. um, was like spitting on the grave <laughs> of the firm's Christian founder, John Cadbury. John Cadbury, who was a Quaker. So by definition, didn't actually um, celebrate Holidays, right, right, such as Easter yeah. and Christmas. Um, the National Trust have come out and be like, you know, we're not actually downplaying the significance of Easter, but lots of people have jumped on it as like a, you know, The UK is <laughs> becoming less Christian, or yeah. no, 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 that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. John Cabry would be turning, and he's he's very, very angry about all it. All. So, what what did you guys kind of think about it? Um, just about, um, do you even eat Easter eggs? What? I is love eggs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Cannot lie. Um, <laughs> what, what did I think? I, I don't think it was that big of a deal. And mm. I think it's actually a problem if the world looks at us and says, what we value most and consider ridiculous is whether the word Easter is attached to the beginning of some egg hunts. Absolutely. And so in terms of what it, the impact isn't that great, the church hasn't changed. Um, Christians are going to be persecuted. Like the implications of removing the word Easter for Christians is minimal best. Mm. But the implications of the reaction for the world is quite significant because now what people who are not in the Christian faith will think of when they think of Christianity is that they really value token words and sort of like outwards um what's the word for this? Outward images. Yeah and stuff yeah. like that. That's what they really find as important. And I was thinking that's not But
2: it signifies like the ever growing kind of secularization of our of our nation where things like Easter is now being removed to just give a whole kind of a general feel of no religion of course, yeah. 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 yeah and, uh, and I, of course people don't think so you yeah, see an easter egg and think oh Christianity the gospel right. but you know it was almost kind of like a religious connotation perhaps mm. and people are seeing this PC culture now where even the word Easter on an easter egg box is now being removed I, yeah.
0: I definitely think there's been um, some celebration um, by do I say Christian detractors because I think that even the way in which the National Trust has tried to to speak about it is that, you know, what we're trying to do is be an inclusive um, organisation. And I I personally don't get the sense that having Easter or removing the word Easter from your national egg hunt makes you an exclusive group. Do you know what I mean? Non-Christians and Christians alike can participate in egg hunts. (laughs) Non-Christians and Christians alike can eat Easter eggs. Um, But I, I do hear what Mary's saying is that in the UK specifically at this time, are we seeing uh, uh, a trend to move away from what some people consider a Christian heritage yeah. or Christian values?
1: It, it is definitely a piece of a bigger movement away from Christianity. Right. Um, and so even though it's not, you know, disestablishment of the Church of England, it mm. still forms part of that move. Um, and I, Thinking about it, actually, it's, it's sort of like we've been told that if we want to engage in the public sphere, we have to learn to speak this sort of secular language yeah. right. and have a language that does that has basically no reference to any sort of religious concept whatsoever. And I think that's, yeah, that, like Mary said, that would probably be where the National Trust is trying to gear towards in terms yeah. of everything, including the egg hunt, has to be in secular terms mm. for, it to, for it to be truly inclusive.
0: I think um, it's interesting because uh, the Lib Dem leader, Tim Farron, actually came out quite recently and spoke about the increasing hostility in the UK um, to Christianity. Um, There was a survey done about, you know, people in the workplace and how comfortable they are sharing their faith and such. And the responses were quite, do I say damning almost, that, you know, people Mm. felt as if they had to be hush-hush about their faith. Um, I mean... You're not necessarily employed to evangelise at work, um, but if it's an essential part of your being... (laughs) Don't lose your job. (laughs) If it's an essential part of your being, um, I'm sure you'd feel encouraged to want to speak to people about um, Mm. your faith.
2: Especially informally as
0: well. Informally as well. Um, But he just thought that there is um, uh, a trend towards people of faith in the UK specifically, and in the world more at large, not being taken seriously. And I guess we're having this conversation because today's podcast is going to be about Easter. Um, we're about a week away um, from Easter weekend next weekend and we just wanted to kind of sit down and talk about uh, what the importance is um, of Easter and hopefully be able to flesh out some of the things um, that, that, we, that Easter has come to signify for us. So just on that point about, say, the increasing hostility towards uh, yeah. faith and Christianity specifically um, in the UK, I, I saw a, I saw an article in Christianity Today um and it gave some stats from a poll done by Comres, uh, which showed that while 92% of HR managers thought that employees at the places that they worked could talk openly about their faith, only 26% of actual workers said that people in their workplace talked about their religious beliefs or traditions at all. Um, and 35% of religious people in their workplace never talk about it. Um, and almost when you... It, it makes me wonder, like, when you come to be so um, convinced by your religious convictions... Mm-hmm and it permeates your entire life and your being. I wonder how you can like just not talk about things like that at all. Yeah. Um, because if you're so um, enamored uh, with those convictions, then I would feel as if, because it permeates your life, mm. you should be able to talk about it at the appropriate times, yeah. um, but feel confident enough to want to discuss things um, concerning faith uh, with your colleagues and, 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 and such. Um,
1: And I think especially dealing with, like, politics, for example, Mm. you're thinking if a politician is a Christian, then to a certain degree, part of whatever policy they propose or support is going to be influenced by that core belief of um, being a Christian and so on. And if you're saying, oh, you know, if society is trying to, say, learn to speak in the secular language and um, keep your Christianity into the private sphere, you're basically telling them to remove the essence of who they are and i think we
0: we saw that when when um theresa may spoke about her say uh upbringing in a home where they Mm. went to church um she was like she used to a church attend a church fairly regularly doesn't attend as regularly anymore um but she was almost ridiculed um particularly in press coverage um and by a number of say uh leading academics in the uk who who said that you know her value system mm. shouldn't impact the way that she yeah. governs this country.
1: Yeah, and actually, that's that's impossible. <laughs> I think people find it
0: almost inappropriate, inappropriate. to mention
1: yeah. your religious views at all. And and the deeper problem is that the opposing view isn't exactly neutral. It's not as mm. if the secular approach doesn't have its own values. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone comes with their own value system, but it's just, been, it's just the idea that, oh, it can't be the Christian one. Mm. Yeah, That's it, used. It reminds me of um, during the whole
2: Westminster attacks when they were sending the... Um, people were putting different tweets and someone said, my atheist thoughts and prayers. Um, I remember atheist. that, yeah. My
0: atheist prayers. And
2: everybody was just like, huh? But she was yeah. obviously trying to say, I'm not... By prayers, I'm not linking it to any religion. I'm just... Right, I can have atheist right. prayers. And it's yeah. like that continuous trying to divorce... Religion or you know Christianity from anything that you do in your life or think
1: is just. Yeah. I think it's growing at a at an alarming rate in the UK. it reminds especially. me of the atheist church actually. Um, <laughs> so I've, ne- I've never been <laughs> <an> to atheist church. Don't <laughs> so talk to me about that. <laughs> where is it? um I think it's part of the school. of movements the school of life. Somewhere in like North Central London, um there's a atheist church where you go there every Sunday like a normal church.
0: I would just say you can't actually. Can't actually call it a church. Really. Yeah, really, yeah, it's, it's really it church. It's, The guy
1: literally said, "The guy who Assembly? founded it basically said it the it. idea is that we want to take all the good features of Christianity, right, and abstract it from the, the concepts that the foundations of it. So we want we like the idea of a community and meeting regularly yeah. to fellowship. Or well, obviously, we don't like the content that gathers these people together. So we're going to replace it with our own sort of philosophies. And so they get philosophers and." Um, Sort of like motivational speakers to come and give their talks every Sunday, and so they're taking all these concepts, which are for us implications, yeah, and they're divorcing it from the foundations that Christianity had, and I just yeah, like you said, it's part of that whole. Let's try and take as much of the good stuff, Mm. but remove the essence that allowed them to even flourish to begin with.
0: I think there's a there's a sense in which uh, much of this points to uh, a relativist Mm. um, kind of culture. We'll pick and choose what makes us feel good. So moral relativism, for example. We'll pick and choose the good bits. Uh, We'll decide how Mm. we'll live based on how we feel. Um, Rather than, say, for example, ascribing to uh, biblical precepts or commands. We'll say, uh, we like this. Mm. We live in this way because Mm. it makes us feel good. um, And our emotions are dictated by what we think or these kind of self-autonomous precepts or commands. And the trend in moving towards that kind of moral relativism or relativism more generally is that it obscures truth. Yeah. So we have this, I mean, we spoke about last year, um, but more generally, even now, the kinds of connotations of post truth and um, people deciding what they want to believe and alternative facts and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. I mean, I think as we'll, we'll bear out in this episode on the podcast, there's some of the implications for believing in the resurrection. It can have some important implications for how we see truth
2: hey guys thank you so much for listening to episode four of the black barrier podcast so earlier this week we announced on our social media that we will be giving one of our lucky listeners an opportunity to win a ticket to see jackie hill preston perry genetics and ezekiel in their poets and autumn pia london concert on saturday the 15th of april 2017 to be with a chance of winning all you have to do is answer the following question what is BlackBerry's Oxford Dictionary Word of 2017? What is BlackBerry's Oxford Dictionary Word of 2017? Okay, I'll give you a hint. This was mentioned on our very first episode. So take a listen back if you need to. Email your answer to blackberry at gmail.com. Blackberry at gmail.com. We will put all the correct answers in a hat and select the winner. Yay! We will then announce the winner on all our social media pages this coming Friday. So please be on the lookout for that. All the best. Back to the show. Okay then, so on that note, what would you say is the importance of the death of Christ?
1: Israel, do you want to start something? Uh-huh. on <laughs> at, at, at the heart of the death of Christ is offering a solution to the problem that plagues the entire world. Um, you have like the four big questions of philosophy or questions of life. You know, where did we come from? What is the meaning of life? Um, what is wrong with the world? And where are we going after we die? Yeah. And that's and that third question, you know, what's wrong with the world? The death of Christ essentially answers the, that question by first showing us what is wrong with the world, sin, mm. and how it was solved, Christ's atoning for sin. Um, and what's interesting is that that's the heart of the Christian faith, but it also, I think, is a at the heart of what people find repulsive about Christianity as well. So it has this polarizing effect in that the atonement for sin... Mm. For the Christian says that the the deepest problem about me is not just that I don't behave as well as I should, or I haven't got as much education as I need, or you know the the system in the external systems around me have kept me in control. But the deepest problem is that my very own heart within me is corrupted. Right. So before I look outside, I'm looking inside and say that my heart is corrupted and tainted with sin. Mm. And Christ's death, when He takes that sin. Actually removes that sin yeah and so he pays for it by his um, by then on the cross for me um, and then he offers his righteousness to me mm. and so at the core of who I am, the biggest problem about me has now been solved yeah and that's, and that's at the personal that's, the, that's what is so important about the death of Christ um, that it goes to the depths of our hearts and solves the deepest problem about us mm. offering the only solution that can actually free us and liberate us from um, the tyranny of sin and death.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, if I would look at it from just a different um, kind of vantage point, I would just say in kind of two points, um, one of the things that we understand from the the death of Christ is that it it demonstrates the love of God. Mm. um, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. um, And it also demonstrates the justice of God um, because we could not be accepted into fellowship with God Mm. unless a penalty for our sin was paid. Um, so in Romans three, Christ is referred to as the propitiation for our sins. So speaking about the point that Israel raised, that the, the deep-seated problem with us is dealt with by Christ. Yeah. And actually, um, this is something that the Epistle to the Hebrews um, emphasises very, very clearly. That Christ had to suffer for our sins. Yeah. Um, Hebrews two seventeen says he had to be made like his brethren in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. And I think when you're thinking about the Old Testament economy as well. Um, The blood of bulls and goats um, could not take away sin. Christ was a better sacrifice. And in dealing with God's justice, a better sacrifice was required. Mm. And in that sense, Christ had to die because only the blood of Christ could really take away sin.
1: Two things. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) That was some good points. On the the, the point of of the love of God Mm. and, and the cross being a display of God's love, I think, on a personal level, it helps us to deal with um, two two sort of despairing problems. First of all, it keeps us from being prideful human beings. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you are so sinful that Christ had to die for you. If that doesn't bring humility, I don't know what, what will. You know yeah. that there, your heart was that corrupted mm. that God had to come down in the flesh and atone for your sins. But it also keeps us from this sort of like self-deprecation or um, Despair, because it says that you were so loved mm. that Christ was glad to die for you. It wasn't like he went there saying, oh, "I don't want to do this," but <sighs> yeah, I'm being forced to. You know, gun to my back. I have to. He wanted to go mm. to the cross for you because his love for you was that great. Mm. The second point I wanted to make was when you, when you, re- when you referenced um, the Old Testament and the sacrifices not being sufficient. Mm. It was funny. I, I was, I was listening to um, uh, a lecture by Rabbi Zacharias right. talking about Jesus among secular gods. Mm. And he basically draws... That's a great it, book. <laughs> yeah, really good book, yeah. It, he draws it the parallel between, you know, how we, you know, in the secular we think we're not like the ancient people who have our own gods, mm. um, who have their own gods, but we are sort of like scientific people in ETC. And he says that, no, actually, we have our own gods, for example, elevating science to the point of metaphysics and how science will explain meaning of life and it can't do that. Yeah. Um, and so when you mentioned the Old Testament sacrifices weren't good enough, what I thought of is that actually as well, our secular forms of sacrifices aren't good enough either. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when we so when we when we propose and say, oh, the problem with the world is that there aren't good governmental structures. That's a sacrifice that isn't sufficient to change the hearts of man. Right. But when we propose, um, what's number, you know that the problem with the people committing murder and stuff is that they haven't been educated enough and stuff like that. Yeah. That is not a good enough sacrifice to actually fix their heart. Mm. That we in the, in our secular society have our own gods mm. or, you know, our own secular gods, our own secular sacrifices that we use to try and fix the problem that we have in our society. And they aren't sufficient. Just like the Old Testament bulls weren't sufficient. Yeah. They aren't sufficient. It's only Christ is sufficient to actually change the heart of a man and to, to allow him to live a life that then reflects what we were intended to be in the good creation that God made. Yeah. For real.
2: Yeah. I like that. I like what you said about um, how the death of Christ shows um, the how God had to deal with sin, mm. you know, mm. how he had to do it in a manner that was just and also loving for us. And it just reminds me of um, Romans 5, when he talks about, you know, while we were yet without strength or, you know, mm. at times when we were sinners, Christ died for us, mm. you know, showing the desire for him to kind of reconcile us back to God. Um, but knowing that he had to, to present us to the father, um spotless and blameless and that means he had to imputate his righteousness and and take our sin um so i I, I really like that Um, is there any lessons that we can draw from his burial kind of anything to tease out from there
0: are there any lessons to be drawn from christ's burial um i would say when i'm thinking about um what lessons can be drawn from christ's burial i would just say that when we even i mean in in a conversation that i was having with israel earlier yeah
2: um
0: it's an essential part of the gospel. Yeah. Um, when you're thinking about First Corinthians 15, for example, um, in Paul's argument, he's, he, he says that you know, um, Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that sometimes perhaps um, I think we do this unknowingly is that we do place emphasis on the fact that Christ died on the cross. Yeah. But he was also raised and raised for our justification. Yeah. Um, but we don't consider that middle part, and I think this is yeah. Israel was talking about that earlier. Uh, we we don't think about what the the significance of the burial, and so I would say one lesson that can be drawn um, from Christ's death is that actually we recognise that this was a real yeah. death. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. was a real death. Um, it wasn't symbolic. Yeah, it wasn't or... symbolic, or he wasn't <laughs> buried alive kind yeah. of thing. This was a real death, and I think the Bible goes to great lengths to demonstrate. Um, the biblical accounts go to, to great lengths to demonstrate that you know, for example, even though the, um, the Pharisees suggested that, oh, he, he's, he said that he's going to rise again. So we need to make doubly sure.
1: Yeah. We need to make doubly sure (laughs) that he's dead.
0: Um, the Bible goes to great lengths to demonstrate, um, in the, in the biblical accounts that Pilate ordered the Pharisees to make the tomb secure and set a guard at the tomb so that disciples could not steal his body and Mm. kind of come out with this airy fairy. Oh yeah. He's risen again. Kind of thing. Um, and it was a real death, it was real humiliation. Um, one commentator says he was buried to make his death the more certain mm. and his resurrection the more illustrious. Yeah. Um, and when you think about you know, Joseph of Arimathea um, asking for the body, Nicodemus going there, the, the two of them going there with yeah. spices yeah. and um, and murder, embalm the body, wrapping it in clothes. It paints a picture of a real and significant event. Um, yeah. In the same way, in the way that we, in the way that they were to deal with dead bodies for other individuals, mm. Christ also had those same things applied to His own body. So we we can have trust and confidence in the fact that Christ really did die, yeah, um, and that Christ really was buried and Christ rose, rose again. What would you say might be a significant lesson to be taught? Um, like,
1: no, I'm going to take a different angle, I guess, and do a more of a loose lesson, which I'm going to try and. Draw from another passage as well, mm. in terms of what Christians can do in light of this, the burial of Christ, and say that actually, I think the burial of Christ teaches us to be able to sit in sorrow. Mm. Um, because that's an interesting the, point. One okay. of the things that, like you said, one of the things that we do is, before say, okay, the death of Christ, and these are, these are important things, so I'm yes. not going to de emphasize anything. Mm. Say, yeah. okay, Christ died, the cross, and we have a Good Friday service, and we talk about that. And in our minds, Instantly shift to he's risen mm. Easter Sunday resurrection, and so we don't have in our minds the space of okay he's dead he's dead, he's dead, and just stay in that state we don't know what to do with that space mm. and so we just skip it and I think it's partly this is not this is not wholly sufficient to explain the, um, the phenomenon, but I think partly it, it sh- comes from the fact that we don't really know how to sit in sorrow or how to sit in a place of lament, even when we are certain that hope is going to come later on. Mm. Yeah, And so if we see hope, if we're told, okay, hope is going to come there now, or, you know, in so many years, our instant reaction is to say, let's speed up and go to that place now, because we don't know how to sit in a place of sorrow, even though we know that hope is coming. And, and so one, a passage that I think explains this further is John 11, where, um, Jesus Christ is told that Lazarus has died Jesus Christ weeps and then the people watching are saying that, look how much he loved Lazarus yeah. that he weeps like this Jesus Christ knows he's going <laughs> to raise Lazarus yeah, from the dead <laughs> 100%. but yet he says I'm still going to weep like, yeah. I'm still going to I'm not going to skip this phase mm. of someone's death even though I know he's in that grave and he's dead I'm still going to enter that space of sorrow knowing that I'm going to bring Lazarus back from the grave um, And you have that all over the Psalms as well where David is like I know that God is going to rescue me and I know that it's in him, but I'm still going to enter that place of sorrow, mm. enter that place of lament, and weep knowing that I have hope and certainty mm. in the sovereignty of God. And I think as a practice of of, of a Christian, it, it actually could be a very good thing for us to learn how to stay in a place of lament, even when we know that God is sovereign and in, con- in control and that things will work out for our good, as Romans 8 says. Mm. Yeah, I think we tend
2: to... Like, I don't know at funerals and when people are
1: right. going you, you know, we're like, oh, she's in heaven, you know, she's with the Lord. Yeah, at least yeah, we're well, too quick to believe her, yeah. but it's like actually, there's still pain, there's still mm. burdens. us. It's okay to stay in that place of mourning, even though we know that their future is secure in Christ and <sighs> they are in heaven right yeah. now. We can still stay in that yeah. place.
2: And I, I liked what. Sorry, Damien. I liked what you said about. Um, the history of it, knowing mm. how Christ actually did die, yeah, because it points to you know, as you said, First Corinthians 15. You know, we are of m- most men, we are m- of men most pitied. Mm. You know, if Christ is still, if Christ is still dead, and you know, mm. if he's still dead, that means we're still in our sins, mm. um, and that that's a disastrous thing to be.ing um So, do you think you can be a believer or a Christian and um, see the death of Christ just to be symbolic, or or maybe not even to believe in the the actual resurrection itself.
0: Um, I would literally just just repeat the the, the refrain from First Corinthians fifteen. If Christ was not killed, buried, mm. and raised, then our faith is in vain. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are still in our sins. Even so, it goes on to say we we are of most to be pitied. Yeah, mm. right. Um, nobody makes that kind of remark if they don't have any assurance or they are not convinced. Mm. Um, that Christ really did die. The disciples don't um, preach that and teach that um, and risk their own lives, lose their own lives Mm. if they didn't really believe that Christ rose again from the dead. I just wanted to take it back to one more, I guess, significant part of it is...
2: Yeah.
0: uh, It contradicts alternative religious texts that deny the death of Christ, like the Mm. Quran. Um, Yeah,
2: how he swooned. I think they say he kind of...
0: He didn't die, he
1: appeared... Yeah, he appeared to have died. But yeah, he was really. But still,
0: he, he didn't really. It um, like he was faint, but he yeah. was still alive. And so these biblical accounts offer us value for apologetics. They enable yeah. us to defend the Christian faith. And so when we're weighing up uh, positions or evidences um, brought by competing or alternative um, yeah. religious texts, um, we can look to the evidence presented in the mm-hmm. biblical accounts and have good certainty. Yeah. That Christ really yeah. did die, yeah. and not that he appeared to have died, mm. but really it was somebody else, or uh, some of the other kinds of arguments that are laid against mm. the death and burial of Christ.
1: It, it shows that Christianity is just as historic as events that happen in our lives. like Mary said, one of the oppos- or big part of the opposition to Christianity is that it tends to think of it as this sort of mystical hypothetical, abstract thing that is just a philosophy, but actually it's rooted in a historical event. The same way that Nazi Germany existed, the same way that um, Margaret Thatcher was prime minister, yeah. or that Theresa May really right now is the prime minister, it's the same way that Jesus Christ is a real person who walks on this actual earth and he actually died. There are definitely real some people that,
0: that wish Margaret Thatcher wasn't prime minister. <laughs> 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 um, I, I'm yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to, to inform you and remind you okay. that she was. Um, but that aside from my political biases, um, <laughs> oh my, I guess oh we've wow. kind of we kind of stumbled onto that kind of question of how do we know that yeah. the resurrection mm. really happened? Um again, Israel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how do you know? How you know, bro?
1: First first of all, I think it has to be asserted that Jesus Christ was a real space-time-history-historical person. Like, yes. he yeah. existed. And no, no meaningful scholar denies this. Even Bart Ehrman, who believes that, okay, he believes that, you know, the early the Christians... critic. Yeah, he, he said he said that the early Christians made Jesus Christ to be God. Yeah. But he still realised that Jesus Christ was a real person. This yeah. person lived on the earth. And if you don't believe that Jesus Christ was a historical person, then you can't believe that anyone in the first century, or even second century, was a real person. Because we have more evidence for the existence of christ mm. than any other first century um, person and what's what's funny is that i ask people this sometimes right how many manuscripts do we have of aristotle we have 25 or so about how many um manuscripts of plato we have about five how many of socrates i didn't even know it was that that little yeah. there isn't a debate over textuals criticism of plato because there's only five to work with yes. <laughs> it's like you're done you're done mm. um how many are Socrates? None. The only thing we know about Socrates is what Plato says.
2: Mm.
1: Yet we've never questioned. Like, when we say, oh yeah, I read Plato's thing, I read Aristotle. We just, yeah, it was this person walked about the earth. And that's, we have 24,000 right. New Testament manuscripts. Mm. And so that's if, a lap. If, it was <laughs> the reason we can even debate. Textual criticism is because we have that much, right. we yeah. have that many manuscripts. Right. Um, so this was a real person who existed. Mm. Um, but then when we read the actual manuscripts and the gospel accounts, we see that um, there's no other way to explain the events of surrounding the resurrection than Jesus Christ actually resurrected. First of all, we, everyone accepts that Jesus Christ was actually crucified. Yeah. Right. Even the enemies of Christ who were who were um, saying that oh. When, when, when Christ was buried people were saying that oh it's the disciples who took him they mm. accepted that he died and that he was buried but they were trying to offer an alternative explanation for his um for his death yeah for his absence in the in, in the in the tomb which means that everyone acknowledged that this person was crucified and actually died mm. and was yeah. buried so that's just that was not disputed by anyone. Mm in that, in that time period and even now when we look at the, the evidence and the manuscripts there's no other possible explanation for why Jesus for Jesus Christ standing on the cross but that he actually did die right but then also we see that when he is resurrected the first eyewitnesses are women yeah right. and in the first century my sisters <laughs> in the first century women could even testify in court mm. so why would you rest if you're trying to prove if You're trying to create some false religion why would you rest the weight of in this religion on on witnesses who couldn't even stand in Jewish courts at yeah. that time. Right. But that they actually were there and they actually saw it. Um and then you think about the accounts of the resurrected Christ, you have like you said in First Corinthians fifteen, Paul says, look, ask the five hundred witnesses, yeah. right? That saw him physically. That saw him.
0: Yeah. And you think
1: what kind of a bold claim, right, that to say 500 people have seen him you can ask them that's mm. how sure I am that he's resurrected and then some of them are still alive as ask well. anyone in, in jail how many witnesses will take it, take them to get out of jail <laughs> <laughs> give me three <laughs> three people yeah. who said that they saw me at another place yeah. and I would have been out that one alibi is sufficient yeah. that one we have 500 mm. yeah. and so you can't even say oh it was um, what's the word um, they had a not hysteria um, oh my vocabulary is <laughs> terrible <laughs> Hallucination Awkward oh, oh, right. <laughs> like, It's a hate It's just just a You can't say it's a, it's a hallucination Because 500 people Don't hallucinate All at the same time yeah. And they don't Hallucinate Over the period of four, five, six, seven, eight days Because yeah. Christ Didn't just appear Once and then Everyone saw him And then just disappeared again yeah. He stayed He ate with them He slept with them Thomas poked through his finger yeah. And you can't explain that with hallucination mm. yeah. but that he was actually resurrected and he was a real person who was walking post resurrection yeah. absolutely um, yeah I, I
0: would just say like like you're saying the abundant testimony about right. the resurrection of Christ you can point to events such as Thomas poking him yeah. him actually eating food yeah um, in John 20 so it wasn't just like it was just the spiritual body and the mm-hmm. food kind of mm-hmm. dissolved you can yeah. see that he's a corporeal being because he's able to eat food yeah. digest um Uh, inviting people to see and touch his hands and feet um, in Matthew 28 as well. Mm. Uh, Those are evidences and I think the the abundant testament of New Testament gospels is Christ resurrected bodily in a glorified body um, but it was a physical presence as opposed to just some kind of dreamed up hallucination or incorporeal um, kind of spirit. Um, Was there anything else you
1: were going to say? it's going to be one one, one more point about just the... The transformation of skeptics, right? Yeah. In terms of um,
2: PR yeah, Mark. you have
1: the disciples went from cowards who ran away when Christ was captured to being men who could die for the fact that he was resurrected. And you think, what else could explain men being so willing to die for their cause? And even when people say, Oh, you know, people made up um, this was all made up so that they can control society, and you think, what did the disciples have to gain? They yeah. had nothing to gain from claiming that Christ was resurrected, and apart from one disciple, John. Who died a natural death? Yeah. Every other disciple was martyred, yeah, crucified, stoned to death, all because they believed that Christ resurrected from the grave. And I'm telling you, if, if I told a lie, right, right, I could hold it for a while. But if you're <laughs> telling me we're going to kill you because of the lie, I'll be like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a oh, joke. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, that's just you're, just fruit. and they,
2: they they weren't rich, you know, they yeah, were like a noble affair. They didn't they, they didn't gain anything at all. But Christ
1: in in. so you think, religion, what else? Truth. What else could? explain their, their their willingness to die for this cause but that they actually believed it and it was actually the case mm.
0: i mean i guess probably just as a summation and um of that point particularly the book of acts records how the church exploded on yeah. the basis of disbelief um the expansion of the christian church i think it's strong proof for the resurrection mm. um the 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 apostles went through preaching and teaching that this did in fact happen. Um, yeah. And it's only uh, by God's grace that men also came to appreciate that fact and the church yeah. grew exponentially mm-hmm. um, at that time and consistently has been um, founded upon the base of that gospel truth that Christ died, he was buried and he rose again. Um, yeah. and I mean, you can't think for two millennia almost. Mm. Everyone has been being hoodwinked yeah. um, by this lie. <laughs> um so yeah that's that's a that's an interesting point um so just taking it back i guess almost to the first kind of thing we were talking about um about hostility towards christianity and how easter is being viewed in the uk currently mm, yeah um and also the discussion that we've had about the resurrection um in our engagement with an increasingly hostile secular culture how does the reality of the resurrection equip us to meaningfully engage this changing society
1: um i think So one of the things I said previously was that the death of Christ answers that third question of the four big questions of life, what is wrong with this world, calling it sin and actually solving that problem. Mm. I think resurrection also addresses the final question, which is destiny. Mm. Where are we going after we die? Because in the the Bible, we have Christ's resurrection spoken as the first fruits of many more (laughs) resurrections to Mm. come. And actually... In the resurrection is our hope and certainty of our own resurrection on the final day of entering that new heavens and new earth, where all the wrongs will be made right. It is not just that the earth will be fixed, but will be taken into a state of glory. Mm. Um, and so, what the resurrection does is that, in in our engagement of um, the whole society, we are saying Christianity offers the only meaningful answer to that question of destiny. Right. Um, mm. There was a there was a recent. Veritas Forum conversation between Tim Keller and Anthony Cronman. Tim Keller, your guy. Of course. Anthony Cronman used to be the dean of Yale um, Law School. And he was talking about in his philosophical journey, he realized that his life had no meaning apart from being rooted in eternality. He had to form some sort of philosophy for himself where he could plug himself as part of an eternal... Um, destiny and that, and you know even for a, he calls himself a born again pagan so this is this is, this <laughs> is <an> interesting <laughs> title and, and so for this non-Christian like even I recognise that you can't really understand what life means now if it's not rooted in something that is beyond yourself that actually lasts forever right yeah. and the resurrection says that all, you know and we have this revelation that all of us will be brought back from the dead and that all those who are in Christ will be resurrected into a state of glory where all that happens in this earth that is done right, um, where righteousness is prevailing, will be passed through into the new heavens and the new earth, and will remain forever. And it gives us hope even for our today, in a way that I think the secular worldview can't. You know, because the secular worldview can't tell you why you shouldn't be narcissistic. Right. If after we die, that's it. Why shouldn't I just care about myself right now as fully as possible right. to the nth degree? Because when I die, I personally am done. So mm. tell me what motivation I have. But says that no, when you don't, when you die, that's not just it. Mm. There is actually something that comes after. And for the Christian, which is what we're trying to propose to the secular world, there is glory forever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even as we,
2: you know, engage with with the secular culture and speaking about the reality of the resurrection, it really allows us to talk to the talk to people about the gospel. You know, Paul in First Corinthians 15 says it is of first importance. So if we know this and we know the reality of the resurrection and and all that. Of what happened at Easter and the Easter story um, means for the believer and for every man, then we should confidently in, in a manner, you know, full of, full of the scriptures, full of these historical manuscripts that we have and, and deliver this news to people around us and say, okay, I know you may think something like the resurrection is unfathomable, but but what about this? How do you respond to this? And that allows us to, to present the gospel in a way that's confident and, and honors the Lord.
0: I would just say, um, When I'm thinking about this kind of question, um, thinking back to the resurrection, I think that if Christ has risen again, which I believe he has, the resurrection then proves that the claims Christ makes about himself are true. So he said he would raise the temple again on the third day. And that has implications also then for what is said in the rest of the Bible. Because if he is God and able to raise himself from the dead, he speaks of authority and certainty and so that encourages us that the Bible is indeed the inspired word of God. Right. Yeah. And I think that enables us to have some clarity, certainty and truth, mm. particularly at a time where we spoke about earlier about, you know, the whole, the, the whole um, notion towards post-truth and um, mm. alternative facts and kind of relative thinking yeah. where everything is almost centered around what I think is true and um, but actually what we have is a sufficient and perfect word yeah. that is the truth that we can trust in have faith in its reliability and the credibility of the claims that are made about Christ and mm. the claims that are made about us, which we otherwise couldn't have if Christ did not rise again um, for yeah. for our justification. Um, so guys, I just want to say, sorry, if you've heard any noise <laughs> in the background, obviously the sun's out in London, people are enjoying themselves. <laughs> driving past, getting ice cream, <laughs> doing all kinds of stuff, setting off alarms on cars. Um, but you can see what happens when the sun's out for a while in London. <laughs> um, but thank you again for listening. I just want to say ahead of our next podcast episode, if you haven't already sent us a question, please do. That's going to be the Ask Black Maria episode. Mm. So you can use the ta- hashtag Black Berea pod, hashtag AskBB, send us your questions. Um, something that you've been you know, keen to, to see dealt with on this forum We'd really like to know. We're really and interested. And don't hold back. Don't hold back. <laughs> don't we- ask anything. Even if it's a crazy question. Um, we can't guarantee that we are able to do all questions on the podcast. <laughs> but we will do our best to be able to try and yeah. reach as many as possible. So you can send us your questions to blackbaria at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at twitter.com forward slash blackberea. Uh, you can send us a question. Uh, question on our facebook page that's about our book page <laughs> <laughs> send us a question on our facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash black thank you for all the interactions we've had on there so yeah. far please continue to to to, to uh, speak to us on that platform um, you can also send us something on insta um which is mary
2: instagram.com forward slash black there
0: we go um Ooh. and yeah guys continue engaging with us we're really we're really happy to see the kind of interactions we've had so far um, let us know what you think about this podcast episode also if you have any kinds of uh, things that you think about when you're dealing with Easter the resurrection we're interested to hear and learn from from people as well so thanks for listening Yeah, we're out we're going to go enjoy some sun <laughs> <laughs> just Peace. as that that goes off <laughs> <laughs>